0: Welcome to episode 138 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR. I am the father of the most beautiful beast in the world, Jerry. And we are coming off of a Tyreek's Revenge Week. Well, actually, you know, it's not revenge for Tyreek himself on anything, really. It was simply revenge for me in getting unstuck on him. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why and how could you ever... Be down on Tyreek Lifetime, Adam. How could you be down money on Tyreek? Are you insane? Well, there was a time when Tyreek won with efficiency rather than volume. Ridiculous, outlier, historic efficiency. In 2017, when I jokingly called him Ty Fluke, he averaged just seven targets per game and finished as fantasy's wide receiver three in fantasy points per game. I mean, do you realize how hard that is? Seven targets per game and finished as fantasy's wide receiver three. In points per game, people were literally paying like 8K on DraftKings.com for six to eight targets. That season, he had some monster games, of course, but he had five games under 50 yards. And when we see that kind of efficiency, it typically evens out over time. I mean, look at Odell Beckham, another guy I lost a lot on early in his career, but have gotten more than even on Odell by being light on him as he's regressed regressed so sharply over the last four years. But anyways, back to Tyreek. In 2019, he averages 7.4 targets per game. He had two 100-yard games in 12 appearances. Like, it's not that that crazy. But this year, now this year, 2020, it's different. The way the Chiefs are using him is different. So yes, he's been in play for cash. If you've been following what Leone has been posting about in terms of pass rate versus expectation, the Chiefs are just completely off the charts. In Tyreek's four games prior to Sunday's eruption, Tyreek's target shares were 31% 40%, 14%, 43% 40%, 14%, 43% raw target numbers of 10, 6, 18, 14 from Patrick Mahomes, quite possibly the best quarterback ever. So I don't think it's fair to say, Adam, you, you called him Ty Fluke. You made fun of people who played him in cash. And I was right for, for the record. I mean, people took so many four games at a high cost in 2017 and 2019. But then, you know now, Adam, you're paying him in cash. Well, it's different now. The usage is different. I mean, I'd also add that so much of this stuff is situational. If Tyreek gets drafted by Baltimore, if he's on the Colts or Cleveland or, you know, a dozen other teams, he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. I mean, we're not even having this talk. He'd be very good, I think, but not this. So anyway, all this is a long way of saying that, yes, it feels good to be on the right side of a Tyreek nuclear game, one of the best Tyreek games of all time. But yeah, to say that um, it's not it's the same as it was before. It's just not when you have 30, 40, 43% target shares from Patrick Mahomes in the NFL's most past happy versus expectation offense in a game where both teams, the Bucks and the Chiefs projected to be so past happy, that's a totally different scenario. However, I don't, I don't want to insinuate or, or make it seem like I thought this was a slam dunk. The team I played in cash had enough money for one of Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, or Keenan Allen. And I really did go back and forth a lot on the decision right up until lock, like just decided between the three and my defense. In the end, I really wanted exposure to Mahomes, you know, in this game environment against the Bucks. And we also had Tyreek projected for the most wide receiver points on the slate, you know, slightly ahead of Keenan and Diggs. So, um, and Justin Jefferson was right there in the mix too, who of course I played also. So yeah, I don't want to say it was a slam dunk. It was certainly tight, but yeah, we did have him for the most points on the slate. So it was good. The last thing I'll say about the cash slate, you know, it's something that you're almost certainly sick of me talking about, so I'll keep it short. You know, for so many reasons, I think paying 7000 for a tight end in cash on DraftKings.com specifically is something that I, I just can't do. You know, going back to the Gronk in New England days when people were doing it, it's just not right, in my opinion. And I know there's plenty of sharp people out there who disagree. You know, it's not a Kelsey thing. Kelsey was obviously a fine play, a more than fine play in a vacuum. It's a roster construction thing. It's a way DraftKings prices the bottom range of tight ends. That's the difference for me. Oh, and one more thing about, about cash. You know, I, I knew my build would be unique. I knew there weren't many people who would be playing three expensive wide receivers. I played Jefferson, Ridley, and Tyreek Hill. So when my cash build is unique, I always at least think about putting in some tournaments or boosters type stuff. But this team just just wasn't right for that. You know, no, cor- no correlation with Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, negative correlation with all the Viking stuff together. You know, Brian Hill as shaky chalk etc so so yeah all right as for tournaments obviously you needed the Mahomes Tyreek and you needed Derrick Henry as well to win it was certainly possible though to get there I mean just a few weeks ago we talked about how Derek Henry the big dog can be used as a bringback. he can be used in correlation because when he goes off it's with big runs and lots of TDs that juice up games so Naheem Hines you know the James White-esque pass catching back paired with Henry made sense And then on the KC stuff, we talked a lot about how there were, there really were not many exciting stacks to play beyond the Buffalo Chargers and Kansas City Tampa stuff. So how can we play Kansas City creatively? Well, we can leave Tyreek or Kelsey out of stacks and play Watkins or something else on the Chiefs. You know, Tyreek Hill was 28%, Kelsey was 29%, Sammy Watkins was 5%. And then instead of the bring back with Antonio Brown, who was the cheapest one and therefore likely the most owned one, which he was. I mean, Antonio Brown was twelve, thirteen, fourteen percent. Mike Evans was five percent. Godwin was six percent. You know, paying up a little bit to be contrarian there. So yeah, you know, I, I thought it was a really interesting week in tournaments for sure. I of course did not do what I just described. I had five tournament teams: two Mahomes, one Josh Allen, one Herbert, one Danny Dimes. But I didn't have Henry when they did the Tyreek ones. I didn't have Gronk. Good game, good effort. Last thing I'd note about. Tournaments, and this is something Leone has been on a ton lately. You know, guys in the first game back off injury, you know, are often underpriced. They are also underowned. And so that's a really good combo, both underpriced and underowned. If you're willing to take on the risk of aggravation, willing to ignore some of these BS, like quote unquote reports that we get in the media, I'm talking about Christian McCaffrey's first game back, Austin Eckler's first game back Sunday, Debo Samuel's first game back. I mean, we have Rap Sheet out here tweeting that CMC will rotate series with Mike Davis, which is just egregious, right? Saying Austin Eckler won't be a bell cow. And then these dudes just go out there and play their normal roles. And in the case of Eckler, set a career high in touches. I mean, these reports just last night, Monday night, you know, a ton of people were saying, oh, Jalen Hurts is going to see an uptick in QB snaps. I don't know. I thought that was shaky. You know, uh, Jalen Hurts played two snaps on Monday night, you know, even though Wentz was terrible again. And back to Eckler. You know, talked about Eckler a ton on after the Bellage news broke and the Eckler news broke on Saturday, talked a ton about this. He was actually in our optimal on FanDuel, you know, which is wild because we had a conservative projection of around 12 carries and four targets. And still, you know, due to the spot he was in, his talent, his efficiency, Herbert's efficiency, Eckler was in the optimal, you know, ends up around 8% owned in low stakes, 10 to 12% in high stakes. You know, these guys off injury, it can go the other way too. You know, guys can aggravate or guys can be eased in. You know, Chris Carson was clearly eased in on Monday night, his first game back from foot injury. Gets out snapped by Carlos Hyde, 41-25, out touch 15-10. I think the difference there is that, you know, Pete Carroll knows that the difference between Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson isn't that wide. The difference between Austin Eckler and like Tremaine Pope is massive. The difference between Christian McCaffrey and Mike Davis, as much as I like to joke about it, you know, is huge, so, so yeah, just something to keep in mind, okay, I I know I don't talk about season-long, you know, uh, season-long fantasy football hardly ever on here, and honestly, I don't play a lot of season-long, I'm in maybe five or six leagues, but they're all, you know, just stuff for fun, you know, very low-stakes friends, very low-stakes leagues with friends for fun, but this Will Fuller league, man, this Will Fuller thing, what a gut punch, I, I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, everyone in the NFL is on roids, like, they gotta be, How does this dumb motherfucker actually get caught? You know, it's so sick. And of course, this brings out injury-prone Twitter. You know, here they come. They've been waiting 12 weeks while Will Fuller just shoves it right down their throat. Will Fuller doesn't miss a game. You know, fantasy's number eight wide receiver on pace for 77, 12, 78, 11.6 touchdowns. I mean, what did you think he was going to do with DeAndre Hopkins gone? And Deshaun Watson, just a straight baller and a terrible defense and home games in a go in a dome and six games against the Titans, the Colts and the Jaguars. But now injury prone Twitter, they want to say, see, I told you so, Adam, the only way Will Fuller stayed healthy is because he was on peds. Told you, you know, I knew it and I get, you know, I I really do get that people who have had injuries before are statistically more likely to get injured, you know, marginally. I I get that. I do. But to say I'm not taking this dude in the fifth round, in the sixth round. You know, I'm not taking him in the seventh round because I just know he's going to get hurt, quote unquote, no. I mean, that's insane. How many condoms do you strap on for your draft when you think like that? Anyway, just have to get that off my chest. You know, incredible bad beat for people who had Will Fuller in season long, in best ball, brutal. But, you know, that's why we play DFS. Okay, before we get to today's listener questions, wanted to remind everyone that we do have a sponsor for this podcast. Yes, this podcast is brought to you by the good people at Underdog Fantasy. Go back, listen to episode 82. We did an interview with their co-founder, Jeremy Levine. think you will find it interesting, the concept that everybody is playing right now. is called battle royale, like combination of DFS and best ball, snake draft, six rounds, but it is a GPP style tournament for one week. So strategy-wise, it's really interesting. You can't just try to pick all the best players. You need to stack. You need to find some off-the-board plays that nobody else has. You need to find leverage in some way, just like in DFS. You can get in for $5 and first place is $4,000 after you deposit. Mention on the pop-up you heard about Underdog Fantasy on ETR and you'll be eligible for some of that sweet, sweet ETR swag. Again, underdogfantasy.com. Make sure to enter promo code ETR after you make a deposit. Okay, enough is enough. It is time for everyone's favorite portion of the program. Producer Luke, hit the theme music. All right, got a ton of good questions as always, really appreciate them going to do seven today. Question one is from Jeremy. Is there a scene from a movie that has scarred you for life? Yeah, I think Requiem for a dream. I mean, undoubtedly a very good movie. But Jesus, I mean, when Jennifer Connelly's character is doing like the ass to ass dildo thing for heroin from the big Tim guy. I mean, you know, I'm into some sick shit, but this is a step too far. For me, I think, and and it's scarring, Uh, honestly, you know, like I'm into drugs, man. You know, I, I am. I think there's so, so, so many benefits to mushrooms and LSD and even, you know, just regular weed, but I've never, ever been tempted to do anything like heroin, you know, maybe thanks to the ass to ass thing. Maybe, maybe it scarred me for life so bad. Like, can you imagine something so strong, you need it so bad that you take a dildo up your asshole while Big Tim watches? I mean, you know, crazy. And then in real life too, you know, uh, Artie Lang, he was great on Stern for, I don't know, eight or nine years. He really struggled badly with heroin too. Lucky to be alive really. So, so yeah, it's probably a good thing. Requiem, awesome movie. You guys should watch it if you haven't. From Tlar, question two, after snagging sweet ETR merch, how do I describe what ETR is when people ask what it is and without having to divulge, into explaining DFS. Can we just say a cool shirt I saw on the internet? Yeah, so you don't want to expose yourself as some, you know, fantasy football obsessed virgin, of course. You know, the key to the gear is that it's unexploitable by the public. You know, our established run merch is true GTO merch. If you encounter someone sharp on the street, you know, likely someone younger, someone who understands even a little bit about football analytics, you know, they'll give you an alpha nod because they get it. The establish the run motto is sarcastic. It's ironic. It's poking fun at the football establishment. But if you encounter a dolty mouth breather, you know, likely a boomer, someone who thinks the pass happy nature of today's NFL is extremely low T and real men run the ball into the back of their left guard 30 times a game. Well, that guy is going to love the shirt too because he thinks it's serious. Yeah, we got to establish the run. So yeah, I, I like the gear that we have. I'm honestly not thrilled with, with Teespring. Like we want to do something nice for the subscribers, you know, sell merch at literal cost if they want it. And then we bust Teespring out of their large and extra large sweatshirts on the first day. Like, you know, come on guys. So I apologize for that. They claim they're working on getting more in stock, uh, hopefully more soon, but it's out of our control. I do want to add some more shirts eventually though, you know, like Gender Labs, uh, Team No Sex a motherfucking Mackie award, maybe a shirt with a picture of Evan wearing a shirt of the big dog. Uh, We'll see. But, you know, not a huge priority right now as we're working towards NBA launch, which will be uh, later this week, by the way. Crazy. NBA starts December 22nd. Excited for what Drew and Gallagher and Wiggins and Leone have up their sleeve for NBA. All right, question three comes from Evan. How much would you pay for access to the casual lobby on DraftKings for a season? I have a friend who has little to no process who is crushing casual games right now, but I have beat him head to head almost every week. Yeah, I wouldn't pay anything, you know, you just can't scale it. But it's a cool thing that DraftKings does to let people, you know, get their feet wet for sure. It's also just a good reminder that how good you are in a vacuum is pretty irrelevant. All that matters is how good we are versus who we're playing. And honestly, I think the games are toughest on DraftKings. Not the casual lobby, the regular lobby on DraftKings. I think the games are, are, are toughest for whatever reason. I think it's a little softer on, on FanDuel. Uh, I don't really play any other sites right now, but I guess that those, those like third-party sites, are probably softer also. I mean, anywhere there's not a lot of liquidity. Like if you can't even get 1,000 in action on a, slate, on a site... It's not really worth bothering for serious players. So then you have a site that's really good for smaller bankroll players. But yeah, you know, as for uh, casual lobby, I mean, I'm sure you guys know, but you should be maxing it out Um, if you have access to it. No brainer. Question four from good friend of the show, Josh, aka Sauce 33 He says, what's your most embarrassing financial story? You know, God, I mean, so many. Um, I guess with Bitcoin on this epic bull run, I can... Uh, start there so the first time I ever heard about Bitcoin was at the parks poker room I'm not sure exactly what year it was but it was probably like 2012 2013 and this guy he'll remain nameless but he was another reg and basically every time we were waiting to get into a game he would sit me down he'd be like hey man you know let me talk to you and he would go on this big sales pitch about Bitcoin like some evangelist, like just ranting and raving like a lunatic and I would say idiotic things, you know, I just didn't get it. But he was just begging me to buy Bitcoin and I didn't. And actually, I, later on, I found out that this dude played all his sessions while on Acid, which uh, makes sense now. But anyways, the next time I thought about Bitcoin was 2016 and I still have the DMs on Twitter with Brian Devonshire. Uh, Devo Poker, you know, plays DFS, plays poker still. I think guides rafting tours in like Mexico and Colorado. But anyways, he was telling me about how online poker is back, and this was in 2016 when online poker was just like completely dead. He was saying online poker is back because of Bitcoin, and I should get on these sites that are accepting Bitcoin for online poker. And Bitcoin was I don't know like four hundred bucks or coin or something like that. He was like, yeah, it's so easy. You know, I just shipped five coins uh, onto whatever site. You got to get on there. My response, you know, was something. Like, uh, I, I said something like, yeah, it just seems like something where you wake up one day and it's worth zero. You know, like, bank, like banking in the matrix. You know, just some donkey comment like that. Side note, you know, he, in the DMs, it's so funny. He's just like casually talking about, you know, shipping around five Bitcoin and not knowing that if it'll get to the site or if it gets your wallet or, or whatever. I mean, it's crazy how how far it's come. But anyways. I finally did make the Bitcoin buy. It was probably, I think it was around 800 or so, you know, and no change in my opinion or anything really, just from trusting uh, Bales was really into it and trusting Harlebob and, and Timex. And I, I still knew nothing. And I didn't buy nearly enough, obviously, uh, in hindsight. But honestly, man, like I really don't sweat it too much. Like there are so many opportunities that I've passed on that are totally dusted now. And even if I had a bunch of coin at really cheap prices, I, I really doubt I would have held all the way to this top. Like, probably not even close. But it does sting because, you know, if you were in poker, if you were in gambling, you could have just fallen into a bunch of coin. Like, not even really put a lot of thought into it. The last thing I'd say on this is it's really hard to have a lot of conviction when you're not really in the trenches of something. Like, I have a lot of conviction around what's right in DFS because I live and I breathe it 24-7. But I don't have a lot of conviction about crypto or stocks. I'm just not in it. And of course, you know, the most dangerous thing in any form of gambling is like being sure about something when you shouldn't be, you know, that can be super expensive. So I don't know, man, I I try not to uh, have regrets or or anything like that about it. It, it. It's just is what it is. Question five from Nick, he says, is it plus EV to boost the floor on your GPP lineups by entering them into 10x booster and 5x booster contests? Or would the money be better spent entering more GPPs to increase ceiling? Yeah, so this is more of a risk tolerance situation, you know, a variance uh, question. Since so much of the money in GPPs goes to first place, there's just an insane amount of variance. Like getting 8th or 10th or 5th in a GPP, it's just not good enough. So you can reduce that variance by playing in the boosters where 10th or 20th um, or whatever gets the same as first. You know, the problem, of course, is that in GPPs, you can actually win life-changing money, even if it's incredibly unlikely in the lottos. You know, you just can't win life-changing money in the boosters, of course. I will say that I, I think the boosters are typically softer from what I can tell, you know, softer than the GPPs. I think a lot of grinders probably don't click the boosters for for whatever that's worth. Question six from Waiver Hub. He says, still grinding the Sundays at the shared office area or has COVID caused you to weather the storm at home while the boys are causing chaos? Oh yeah, uh, of course, I, I still have the WeWork office. I mean, it, it's so, so peaceful, man. And if you want to talk about COVID, I mean, there are zero people in this entire WeWork, like a full floor of a massive office building, and I'm the only one in there. Really maybe the most peaceful place on earth right now. I have this beautiful window desk up on a high floor, you know, easy access to jump when things are going bad. It's really great. But yeah, you know, the work from home thing is tough. I've been working it out for the last 15 years or whatever, but I'm sure a lot of you are doing it for the first time. The biggest thing for me with two kids who are getting older, it's just about being present. And that's really tough. Like you think you're doing them a favor, right? Like you think you're doing the right thing by trying to stay home and work while you give them some attention. But it doesn't it doesn't work like that. You know, like both things suffer. You know, you're not actually fully paying attention to them. You're not actually fully paying attention to work. Like both things suffer and, and your work is worse and you're a worse parent. You know, why is daddy always on his computer? Don't bother daddy now he's working. Yeah, but he's right downstairs. You know, the kids don't understand. You know, why is daddy throwing his mouse at a wall? You know, so trying at least to keep it separate, I think is is better if you can. Um, it's just better on both ends. Just trying to give 100% of the situation that you're in at the time. All right, question seven. Last question we're gonna do today comes from Cool. He says, our commish of a highly competitive home league was found guilty of tampering league settings before waiver wire periods. What do you think is a fair punishment? Yeah, I mean, when people cheat you, your friend when your friends cheat you or somebody you know, I mean, it's it's a blessing, right? It, it just signals that you can remove them from your life. To cheat your friends in a home fantasy football league, I mean, that's some psychopathic shit, man. There's a difference between trying to angle some big corporation, you know, like if Caesars leaves a lineup after a game starts for too long. Yeah, I'll take it. Sure, I, I think that's okay. Some people might disagree. I think that's okay because, like, fuck Caesars. But you really have to be sick to angle your friends you know to change rules as the commish so yeah you know i'd give max punishment in this spot you know total banhammer. uh never speak to them again i i think that's warranted all right that's gonna do it for yet another solo pod we'll be back team by team pods are back this week with silva later this evening we'll be back on friday night with wiggins and Silva for the DFS show. Very excited for these late season slates. We get a lot of news, we get a lot of guys that are thinner that we get to play. Lots of fun to be had. So, for producer Luke, for Jerry, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.